0: readers, Welcome to another edition of Let's Read Spider-Man. I'm your host, James B., and joined, as always, by the potent stun bombs to my rocket-powered flying broomstick, my friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie?
1: I, I'm doing well. I, I haven't created my spider net to shoot those stun bombs back at you, but I'm pretty excited about these two comics.
0: Yeah, Eddie, after the last three, dare I say, terrible issues, these two did not disappoint. I'm looking forward to discussing these issues with you. So I'm going to get going right away and uh, starting with the summary for issue 39's Amazing Spider-Man issue 39 uh, with the terrible title of How Green Was My Goblin? Uh, In the first six pages, the goblin starts off the issue letting us know he's got a plan. Meanwhile, Peter Parker has a cold and when he sees Dr. Bromwell, he finds out that Aunt May is one good shock away from dying. Harry Osborn is having a rough time with his dad Peter and Harry have a heart-to-heart. Uh, Gwen Stacy sees this going on. She hopes that Peter will become a friend of her gang. Peter will later, later excuse me, run into Ned Leeds, and they agree to call a truce. Uh, Eddie, why do you think Stan Lee has Peter suddenly acting like a Dutch uncle instead of ignoring people and being a jerk as usual? I know we've
1: talked in the past. Like, I would... Been really impressed with how much of a jerk Peter can be, particularly to Gwen too. But I think you know, kind of like your career rubs off on you, like saving people and working hard to, you know, make the world a better place as a superhero. Maybe it's maybe it's rubbing off on Peter. Maybe he's bringing it into his own world as opposed to just keeping all his uh, goodness for
0: Spider-Man and morality. What What about you, James B? I think it has to be because he needs Harry to be sympathetic in this issue because they're about to pull this big move with Norman Osborne and it's all based on his backstory which all impacts Harry and Peter can't have a bad relationship with Harry, so what they do is they say, let's have Peter suddenly be nice to everyone so we can build a relationship with Harry I mean, that's that's all I could come up with
1: It, it, is, I, it is quite baffling after such a long time of really battling each other openly in not very nice ways, but I I don't know. I, I don't know, James B. Well,
0: that's my final answer. Let me wrap up this story quickly. We can talk some more about it. Just for those who haven't uh, read it, this will be their summary. In the final 14 or so pages, Peter decides to clear his head by doing a little web slinging. He finds some guys in the middle of a robbery jumps down, and he fights them. And in the word bubbles, it shows, Eddie, that he has a cold. The words he say, he says things like he said I'd and id, and he, they, they change a lot of the letter T's to D's. Uh, the five-page battle as actually a trap set by the Green Goblin. At the end of the fight, the criminals throw some gas at Spider-Man, which eliminates, Eddie, his spider sense, which allows the Goblin to follow Peter Parker home, where the Goblin arrives, Sees him out of his costume. He knows his name. He knows he's Spider-Man. And Peter has to battle the goblin outside. He's very worried that his aunt is going to open the door and see what's going on. And she's going to have a shock and it's going to be fatal. So he he fights him, but not really that well. And he he, he loses. And the goblin takes Peter Parker's body all the way back to his headquarters. And then on the last panel, he reveals that he is Harry Osborne's dad, Norman Osborne, who we met a few issues ago in issue 37 and that's how this issue ends Eddie did it bother you more that the gas eliminates Peter's <laughs> spider sense or that the goblin felt the need to pull off his mask and tell spider-man exactly who he was
1: well <laughs> I I mean neither of these particularly bothered me actually uh, the gas is bothersome that the goblin has such a keen intuition for how spider sense spider sense works i mean this is going way back to like the days of the chameleon and doctor doom broadcasting messages to spider-man through the spider sense and the spider sense is is quite a mystery to me overall like it still is a mystery and but i do think it's interesting the goblin says it is his greatest power is the spider sense which made me think very hard about what spider-man's greatest power is and really I, I do think the goblin is pretty right knowing having an innate knowledge that you are in danger at any time is pretty darn helpful particularly if you're fighting someone right so um as far as the goblin really revealing himself i mean we're gonna we're gonna read issue 40 the goblin has lots of problems going on inside his head so he's just he's just kind of
0: crazy and he's doing I, crazy things i remember when you did your uh your special eddie's bonus edition of the sinister six you mentioned in your review that there is a panel uh, or page discussing the spider sense and you even say <laughs> but it's still sort of vague like you were unsatisfied with the spider sense then you've you've had a lot of problems with the spider sense over um over time i remember looking it up online to see if spiders have a spider sense and right. um, it sort of said that the spider can Feel things on like all all its hairs all over its legs, so it's more like the spider you can't sneak up on him because he's he's just right. so big. That that's sort of how they use spider it, sense. It,
1: it I you know a high sensitivity when the spider feels its web to feel things in its web. I, I agree. Spiders probably have a very high highly sensitive sense about them. Real spiders. Uh, just one last thing about this part. I I really love. I mean, oh, it's on like page 19, but the goblin having Peter Parker in his rope, dragging him behind with the Spider-Man costume like coming out from his frayed clothing. I know it's like virtually the same as the cover of this comic, but like, I think this is just a fantastic visual of of Peter Parker as Spider-Man being defeated. You know, like his mental abilities are also frayed, not only his clothing, he's clearly in big big trouble here. All right, you got it. I, someone, someone someone else did these drawings. Correct. It, it was else. so obvious to me. There's just each panel there's there's like a less busy quality about them is what I would define and also everything is in the background is slightly cleaner than what they've been before. I immediately like I I I know like on page 4 Peter Parker close up of his face like this just looked uncharacteristic for what I've seen from these comics before where it's like this super close up and there's just nothing in the background. It's like him and, um, uh, the doctor, uh, talking to each other all, all through there. It it is, it's so striking. It's, it's obvious to me. Someone else is in charge of what's going on here, but James B, you got anything
0: else to say about this? I saw that Jazzy John Romita was the penciler. So Steve Ditko is no longer uh, contributing at this moment in issue 39 and 40.
1: It's a subtle nuance for sure, but there's definitely a different quality to each one of the panels than, than what Steve Ditko would do. And yeah. for me, yeah, really obvious from the start.
0: I don't know when it happens, but I believe also that, I mean, it's going to happen over a long time for now, but I believe John Romita's son um, will also be an artist on Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's time for our, uh, our sponsor break. Ooh, I hope it's a very dramatic sponsor for well, dramatic our, issues. Well, our sponsors aren't dramatic, Eddie. They're they're just, they're just businesses.
1: They're just the sponsors. Sorry, You're mixing business with the podcast. All right, I'm ready for the sponsor, James. Okay,
0: and I'm sorry if it's not dramatic enough for you. I, I'm just gonna re- I just read the uh, just read what they tell me to read. Eddie, have you ever felt like tired and run down and not feeling not felt that well? That that is pretty often, I'd say. Well, if you're not feeling well, Eddie, Dr. Nicholas Bromwell is a general internal medicine physician and a primary care doctor who performs physical exams and treats a wide spectrum of common illnesses in adult men and women. If you're wondering how do you make an appointment, no need to worry. If you don't have an appointment, but you have a bad code in your node, you can just see Dr. Bromwell. He can tell if you have an invisible clothespin wearing on your nose. He'll check your blood pressure and let you know if you have the pulse which is zero or that of a superhero. If you do have a cold, some antihistamine pills and this new B12 shot will have you as good as new again. Eddie, Dr. Bromwell, has a great bedside manner. He's definitely the right guy, unless it's something like a sudden shock will kill your aunt. Other than that, he's really great. Did we mention he can give you a B-12 shot? Dr. Bromwell accepts (laughs) insurances such as Blue Cross Blue Shield of New York, Oxford Health Freedom, and Oscorp HMO are all accepted. (laughs) See their ad in the Daily Bugle or listen on the radio for more information. Major credit cards are accepted.
1: Dang, major credit cards accepted on a house call from Dr. Bromwell, huh?
0: Yeah, I... I... Oscorp, he represents the uh, Oscorp corporation HMO. yeah they're hmo i don't know do you have do you have any oscorp hmo i don't know I,
1: i'm afraid i do not I, okay. I i heard there's some instability at the top of that company <laughs> that's my terrible joke of the day james b <laughs> all right all right well i i've has dr bromwell have he sponsored us before i feel like he has we've had several doctors spon- sponsor us maybe i'm forgetting
0: i don't know yeah i um i also thought that dr Remember? bromwell may have sponsored us but uh um, I believe that I, I, I don't I don't know what the problem would be why anyone wouldn't want to
1: come back I, to our podcast.
0: I think I think we may have once upon a time uh you know what, someone's gonna someone's gonna have to email us in at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com and let us know if Dr. Brownwell has been on the show before.
1: Or if you've used This services too. Let us know how it was. It might be
0: like Forest Hills Hospital. We'll see.
1: Uh, all right, James, be ready for issue forty. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it.
0: Spidey yes. saved yes. the day. Yes. Last time I left off, uh, Spidey's basically done for. He's captured, and it it's over.
1: It looks very dire at the end of thirty nine, and what a cliffhanger! If you didn't have forty, I I really hope. Unfortunately, I feel like forty was one of the ones that I never got to read because it was in September, and my uncle bought it in August when he was at my cabin. <laughs> A a cliffhanger of my lifetime. So I was particularly thrilled with the Reed 40. But we leave off right where we stopped. Um, At the beginning, um, Norman Osborn's got his mask off. He's revealed who he is. Peter Parker is is roped down to a chair. And um, high drama ensues after this. Uh, One of the greatest downfall of the villain monologues ever, too. Because Norman Osborn... That guy, that guy can really talk when he really should be doing things, be, be in action the whole time. So Norman freaks out when he hears uh, Peter talk about how he knows Harry. This like triggers him, uh, and Peter keeps him talking in the hopes of freeing himself from the ropes that he's that are tied around him. We get a huge amount of background about how Norman was an absentee father, and like Harry. You know, he was busy busy with business, and Harry was left to his own devices, pretty much. We learn about how Dr. Strump's position made Norman into the Green Goblin because Dr. Uh, Storm, excuse me, created some chemical which exploded in his face and made Norman into a madman. Uh, after we kind of hear about some of the backstory, we go to Peter, and Peter has kind of a life-flashing-before-his-eyes moment as we see a highly distressed Aunt May... Uh, with Miss Watson, who can only calm her down slightly. And then, of all people, Betty Branch shows up. I mean, really, really the two people that Peters really had, besides a very brief cameo of J. Jonah Jameson saying, I don't know where he is <laughs> when Aunt May calls him. But Betty Brant shows up. She really feels like there's some connection between Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And she's, she's she ends up, I think she does get on the train back to New York. She's considering it while she's thinking about going back to New York. And then we return to the Green Goblin uh, with Peter, who's still tied up. His hate of Spider-Man, we find out, is from how Spider-Man defeated him the first time that he met him. And Peter... Perhaps didn't remember this, but thankfully the Green Goblin's got his a retroscope there where we can kind of see inside his mind and he projects all the battles that they had from the first one of the Enforcers where he says, the Enforcers helped you, Spider-Man, and that's why I didn't win that one. And then there's the Human Torch and Lucky Lobo's gang, and the Crime Master, all the situations during the Green Goblin. He gets so flared up, (laughs) he does, of course, the dumbest thing any villain could do. He frees Spider-Man in a very chivalrous manner. He's like, get your costume on. We're going to (laughs) fight. So that it's not like an easy, easy kill for him. Uh, James, what do you think of the fight scene that happens after Spider-Man is freed?
0: Uh, I'm not really a big fan of the fight scenes in general which i know is crazy being a spider-man fan but i first of all i want to back up just to the to the fights that happened on the prior pages i did enjoy seeing all the reasons the goblin had an excuse for like well that one didn't count that one didn't count um but i i didn't notice anything particularly great about this fight scene compared to other ones uh, but you go ahead and tell me why uh, why you like it so much
1: typically typically i actually agree with you james b that the the character development and the writing and everything that happens around the fight scene is the best part but i really like the fight scene in here because if you remember james b there was like one time i counted how many punches Spider uh spider-man threw. i think through issues one through ten or something like that and i really don't like spider-man fighting just with his fists and if we look back at that fantastic (laughs) comic a guy named joe i look back there you know how many James, do you want to guess how many blows that Spider-Man handed out that weren't with his fists in that comic? I'll just let you tell me. <laughs> it's, it's very close to zero. I think I only saw one or two kicks. And I can't stand when Spider-Man's just slugging it out with whoever. I like the creativity of a fight. So we see this fight. The goblin has pumpkins. He throws at Spider-Man. And then you know how I like when Spider-Man does stuff with his web. He makes like a... Trampoline to like shoot it back at the goblin who blasts it with the his finger blaster thing and he hops out of nowhere onto his you know his broomstick thing and flies around and then Spider-Man finally make connects with like uh, one shot to the face to knock the goblin off and it's it's not over there because he like finds a way to lasso and electrocute him and uh, electrocute Spider-Man which would have taken an ordinary man out and it's just a really like clever fight scene. Like they're fighting using all the different parts of what they can do. And I really like, as far as fight scenes go, this, this is my favorite fight scene that I've read in any one of the books. And at the end of the fight scene, um, the goblin gets his goblin cannon out (laughs) and tries to blast Spider-Man, but he gets out of the way and he ends up knocking the goblin into a, electrochemical which strangely isn't this the same thing that like happened to joe too so anyways do you have a favorite quip from the fight scene too james b since i'm all all excited about this one
0: well i think there's about <laughs> four i can choose from here um i think the best one would be i hope your decorator won't mind my changing the room's decor decor
1: I, I I really like – and that's the other part of this fight scene that I really appreciate. Both the Goblin and Spider-Man are kind of going back and forth and Spider's quipping, but the Goblin is not far behind with what he's saying too. And I know there's a lot to choose from, but I love it when Spider-Man says, whenever he calls the Goblin, thanks, Gobby. And he refers to him as Gobby. He does it two or three times in this fight scene. So anyways – Wait, hold on, it, hold on, hold it, on.
0: Your favorite quip is that he calls him Gobby? Yes, I do love. It just
1: seems so insulting. I know it's really short, and there's a whole bunch of other longer ones I could pick from. But like, it must it must enrage the goblin to be called
0: Gobby. Okay, in my somebody opinion. else read this issue, please. Just send us. I mean, I didn't even pick the best one. I I like left you. I left you a bunch. Just there's so you a could whole get, bunch of other ones. Oh my god! Yeah, the go- Okay, whatever. Keep. What happens at the end of the fight, Eddie? Oh, all right.
1: Well, Norman, he falls and gets electrocuted, and he wakes up. Spider-Man um, pulls him out of like his electrocution chemical bath or whatever happened, and Norman remembers nothing. He runs to the door. There's some petulant firefighters who harass Spider-Man as he's saving Norman Osborn, and Spidey swings away as they give him a lecture. Uh, He runs home to find Dr. Bromwell um, with Aunt May, who needed sedation because she hadn't heard from Peter in such a long time, and we know it isn't the first time this happened. But then he really like digs at Peter and says she'll die if Peter um, doesn't show up again when he's out and about. High drama through this whole book, James B. Is there a more dramatic spider book that
0: we've read that you think that you like? See, and you want a dramatic sponsor. Here's Doctor Bromwell dropping a death bomb. Every <laughs> he gets issue. him.
1: He gets him at the end. <laughs> He's gonna die if you're not more careful.
0: So, if I told you that I'm gonna, I would like to include 39 and 40 together because I don't want to say, well, 39 was more dramatic than 40 or something like that. Let me just include this as one, if you don't mind, for a moment. All right. Sounds um, good. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the second most dramatic story you know where the only other one it could be right it's got to be the doc
1: ock one where he's trapped in the underwater yeah layer trying to get out to save aunt may once again
0: yep i think i think that whole and it's hard to separate them the 32 and 33 when he's trying to get the medicine in 32 and he's trapped in 33 i i think that hit me more than this one now maybe it's because this was a reread that i remembered more um this was right up there you know this is but but I still think that was more dramatic how about you disagree
1: i i think you know there's just a there's one thing about this that i think makes it more dramatic not only is aunt may aunt may's life in the balance here because there's like and once i know i'm going back to the fight scene i know you don't like fight scenes, james but the whole time he's thinking about if i win this fight norman osborne still exposes me like he he He's got to consider like killing Norman Osborn here because Norman will expose Peter Parker as Spider-Man. And if that happens, then Aunt May dies. I mean, the situation that Peter Parker is in here is a really hairy situation overall. So instead of just like Aunt May dying, I think there's a real consideration that he has of just outright having to kill Norman Osborn, basically to save his aunt and save his like life as Spider-Man. So... For me, it's actually this one. Although I do like, you know,
0: I did really like the Doc Ock one. It had me on pins and needles. Um, Eddie, one thing I liked about 39 uh, is there's a spot where he's going through a lot of stress. He's thinking about all the problems that he has going on with Aunt May. And he's passing by, this is on page four if you wanted to follow along. Dr. Bramwell's just told them, like, oh, by the way, your aunt, your aunt could die if you give her a shock. He's walking past an old woman who's like like a nurse of some sort and he's been thinking in his head and he says in his thought bubbles i've been so wrapped up in myself lately i had almost forgotten how near to death aunt may had been because she's always near to death right it says now more than ever i must see to it that she never learns my secret identity it would worry her into the grave so they're really trying to hammer home by the way if Aunt May finds out, he's, she's going to die. Like you know, it's the third time it gets mentioned. Yeah. And then the old lady says, in her bubble, "It must be wonderful to be his age. No troubles, no responsibilities, none of the worries of older folk." So it's interesting that Stanley is saying, by the way, Peter is going to be suffering such trauma, such drama, more than more than anybody his age has the right to suffer. But what? But what I think is the biggest shock. Is that he then goes out and sees Harry getting yelled at by Norman, and he's like, "I'm gonna go make Harry feel better." Like huh. he's 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 got the the it's the worst moment in his mind, and instead of doing the the I'm gonna ignore everybody for the entire issue, he turns around and says, "I'm gonna go make Harry feel better," which makes again Gwen and Flash and everybody think like, "Oh, what's going on with him?" You know. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's very purposeful writing that he that you can say to somebody, even when you think everything is really bad for you, don't take it out on everyone else. You need to be, you know, I don't want to say the better man, but you need to step up and still care about other people, even when your life isn't going that well.
1: It's remarkable how, how what a flip that is, and. I don't, I don't know if that was totally planned out on purpose to have that dichotomy right there. I really I really still don't totally get it. But the stress that Peter's under at that time. And I guess this gets to, to another kind of bigger issue, one of discussing mental illness and like insanity, because it comes up so much in this one with Norman Osborn, like how Norman Osborn is created. And I know I've talked about it before. I mean, from way back from when, the, when Mysterio tries to make Spider-Man crazy, as um, a psychiatrist impersonating a psychiatrist I, it's a theme that reoccurs through spider-man often like spider-man and villains talk about being crazy and like insanity and losing your mind and being super stressed out i james b you're probably more knowledgeable in other comics but it certainly is a theme that i notice all throughout and in particular of course with norman osborne since he like he loses his mind is what he does really for a couple
0: years there when he gets hit by this chemical blast yes it's a common theme you'll find it in every comic i've ever read i'd say daredevil (laughs) might be even more so because daredevil tends to have a lot of uh a lot of the women he sees from i'm trying to think they're all all like electra and typhoid mary and the kingpin and bullseye are all crazy you know, and, and and if you ask me who are the most major characters it's them and then who are his friends i'm like well karen page who uh, is like a drug addict you know so it's like they're all everybody is suffering from something in comics and i'm sure i'm sure that even though i'm saying daredevil someone could fire us a message at let's read spider-man at gmail.com and say hey here's another even crazier thing it's probably like the joker and batman yeah and all those guys yeah so yeah it's a, if people have some depression or some anxiety it can get them to to do things that are uh, more interesting they, to,
1: yeah or, that they wouldn't they wouldn't normally do when they're exposed to such levels
0: of stress and, and sometimes in the positive sometimes right. sometimes it's it's a it's a positive you're you're forced to, to make a decision that's that's you know heroic not always a negative decision eddie do you have anything else you want to say about these two issues I, I think that's it for me today James B. And Eddie, I just want to remind you, just remember, uh, don't do anything too shocking around old people or they might die.
1: <laughs> all right. I'll be sure not to do that. No right. no surprising old people.
0: Is that too du- is that too dark?
1: <laughs> I, it's kinda dark. I, <laughs> but I, these were dark comics. Let's try, I could do one. Oh, you want me to try God. one?
0: <laughs> yeah, you do the close. All, all the right, whole, you ready.
1: And James B., just remember, never take a t- chemical bath with your toaster.
0: <laughs> what is that even from?
1: They get electrocuted when they're in the chemical bath. The guy named Joe and Norman Osborne, That's how the Goblin but gets finished off.
0: By a toaster? That's the electricity. <laughs> Bye, listeners. Goodbye. I like the fact that you say we see some petulant firefighter harassing Spider-Man <laughs> yeah. but I don't know if we have to tell me like why we have to talk about Betty Brant.
1: Well, it's just a flashback of his life. Like Any important figure in his life is appearing, so I, sure, I do sure. think Betty has to have a mention in there.
0: Right, right. No, it's fine. Because I, a
1: reappearance of her is so unexpected. I really thought she was done and done and done. So yeah,
0: I I do too. Well. I mean I don't think she's done and it, done it, cuz yeah I know but it appeared
1: it really appeared like she was not going to be around ever again so
0: Well I don't know. I don't know what you know what you don't know all the time so I,
1: <laughs> I mean you talk, we've just seen that I mean the only reason yes, she might yes. not be
0: appearing cuz yep. we've just
1: seen Ned Leeds that Ned Leeds like two comics in a row Right right. We need to ra- ra- just to believe Betty will return to do something.
0: Yes, we but... need to we need to wrap up we did this before. Remember when we traded we traded Liz Allen for Gwen Stacy? Oh yeah, yeah. We, we're going to trade Betty Brandt.
1: Yes, Mary Jane Watson's got to show up. Since, right. right within
0: within a two issue time, I, I believe we're going to introduce Mary Jane and marry off Betty Brandt all like in the same couple issues. All right, good. So then we can be like, now the girls in his life are going to be Gwen. He like sort of like moves. He's like, I got Liz. I got Betty. I got Liz. I got Betty. Uh, I choose Betty. Okay. Liz is gone. In comes Gwen. I got Gwen. I got Betty. I got Gwen. I got Betty. I choose Gwen. Okay, Betty's gone. In comes Mary Jane. I got Mary Jane. I got Gwen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I choose Gwen, Mary Jane. Now get rid of Gwen. You know he's, He always drops the last girl and picks up the new one.
1: I, the whole Gwen story up to this point is so unreasonable and bothersome too. She, it is. That's what we should talk about. I, I, I can't. Yeah, we can talk about how. I mean, I, I I think the only reason I don't talk about it is it's kind of dangerous territory because she's portrayed as such a like hapless romantic interest, you know, interest for Peter Parker for completely unreason. There is no reason why she should be drawn to him. He's it. Everything up to this point says Gwen Stacy should definitely ditch him entirely and like be done. So. It's super bothersome. I, you know, we're we're I, I'm reaching for a strong female character to come through here and talk some sense into Gwen at some point in Spider-Man, but I know it's not going to happen.
0: You're gonna get a, you'll get a strong female character in issue one ninety four if you stick with me long.
1: <laughs> All right, I'll be there. <laughs>
0: so, Gwen Stacy, uh, I believe on the cover of the, uh, I don't, you know, whatever. You can
1: spill the beans. I'm not offended if you spill the beans anyways about whatever James. No, it's a, I, I'm still excited to read it regardless.
0: No, it's okay. We'll just leave that one alone. Um, I, wanted, I was thinking about talking about the movies at some point. I was going to be like, I can't believe you haven't, you know, like, it'd be, it'd be interesting I mean, to watch some of the movies, <laughs> any of them in betu- as we're sort of doing this, you know?